So now we are going to continue chapter 7. We skip this part because um, it's going to be um, challenging to finish it the other way. Chapter 7. Now here is this few verses which is often misunderstood. And we, we try and do this together, alright? And see whether you can answer and be able to decipher um, these three verses properly. Okay. Here is the Lord Jesus, verse 37, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, If any man thirst, let him come and drink. Come to me and drink, verse 37. Right, you've got verse 37. Now, what was this scene about? Remember Jesus was at the feast, right? The brother said, guac, 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 and then he said, no, no, I'm not going up yet. Right? And he finally turned up, and then he was part of the feast. Now, at this, this would be the last day of the feast, verse 37. It's the last day. Do you ever wonder, look at your verse 37, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried. He stood up and said, I, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Do you wonder why Jesus would suddenly talk about drinking water? And if anyone is thirsty, why did he suddenly cry out that particular, those particular words? Now, what happens on this feast, alright, is this. Um, from historical records, how they celebrate this feast is for seven days. Um, every day, the priest will bring water out, pitcher, and then they'll pour it out at the temple, pour. All right. This is to um, a pictorial way of reminding the people of God's outpouring of blessing to the people. All right. So remembering, so remember all these feasts are to remind them of God's goodness towards them. Right. They're supposed to live 
in booths and all that, in tents. So this one was to pour out the water to say, yeah, God will pour out His blessing on us, the land will be dry, but God saved us and He gave us blessing. But on the eighth day, according to tradition, on the eighth day, He will bring the pot out. When He pours, there will be no water. Right? It's on purpose. Seven days, water comes out. Eight days, it will always come out without water. And that is to remind them that there is still the coming blessing that has not been fulfilled. The prophecy of, of um, the eternal blessing. Right? So the eighth day without water, that is the significance. So at this point, when the people say no water, this is when the Lord will stand up. If any man thirsts, let him come unto him. Understand the context? So the Lord Jesus in his preaching often used the right situation and at that time, he would use it to teach the people something. Alright, so now it's no water and then he will say, I will give this water. Okay? Now here, and he says, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Verse 38, he that believeth on me. And he says, scriptures have promised out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now what is this living, rivers of living water? Verse 39 describes, but this spake he of the Spirit. The, the um, rivers of living water, the Lord was referring to the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now he says, which they had believed on should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Now, the Holy Spirit here, the Bible says, was not yet given. Now, many of the um, dispensationalists, for example, dispensationalists, we are reformers, we are covenantalists, right? So the dispensationalists, they believe in different dispensations, and they believe in the Old Testament dispensation. The Holy Spirit was not given to men. Okay, it was only in the New Testament, and this is uh, a very typical verse they would cite. Because Jesus says, the, whole, the Bible says, the Spirit which um, they should receive, the Holy Ghost was not yet given. So how are you going to explain this very difficult verse? We have, have we studied so far in John that, listen carefully, that the Old Testament people would have the Holy Spirit. Did we study this in John? We had a conversation at night with someone. Huh? Who is it? Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus. Now, what did he tell Nicodemus? Look, in chapter what? Chapter 3, is it? Ah, chapter 3. Now, he already told Nicodemus. Look at verse 5. Chapter 3, verse 5. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. In other words, he's saying that as long as you're not born of the Spirit, means you do not have the Holy Spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, oh, then how? Do I crawl into my mother's womb and come up again? And what did Jesus say to him? Verse 10. Let's read verse 10 together. Jesus answered and said to him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Ah, he says what? You are a teacher of Israel, of the Old Testament, and you don't know it. You do not know that you need to have the Holy Spirit to be saved. Understand? So he was scolded. So we have already learned that Christ already said the Old Testament people have the Holy Spirit, and they needed the Holy Spirit in order to enter the kingdom of God. Means they have. And he scolded Nicodemus, being a teacher, for failing to know that. So it's firm, right? Can or not? So the fact is this. 
The Old Testament people have the Holy Spirit. People who believe in Jesus have the Holy Spirit in order to get into heaven. So now, how do you explain this verse? Was Jesus, has Jesus contradicted himself? Hmm? Who want to try? The Holy Ghost was not yet given. Wow. doesn't get more clear than this, that the Holy Ghost was not yet given. We know it has. The question is how to explain that. Will you want to try? It was about the feeling How do you prove that? That this verse is about that? You got a cheat, cheat, cheat Bible, eh? <laughs> so, Reddy says, the Lord Jesus is referring to, um, what event is that called, Reddy? Pentecost, right? He's talking about Pentecost. How do you prove that? Huh? No, you must prove it on New Testament. <laughs> because the dispensation generally say, you know, New Testament then the change. Yeah, yeah, the verse talks about this. But how do you prove it is about Pentecost? Now this is very important that you understand it clearly. This is one of the central verse. And once you understand, then your doctrine of the Holy Spirit is very clear. Okay? Ah, okay. Brenda is looking at, at Acts chapter 2. Okay, why don't we turn to Acts chapter 2? Brenda quietly turn to. Which verse were you looking at, Brenda? Say again? Okay. You have 17, and then you have? Oh, you're just reading everything. Wait, chapter what, verse 17? Chapter 2, verse 17. Okay, chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Okay, so let's read together. And it shall come to pass in the last days, say God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Okay? So now God did say that in the New Testament, He will pour out the Holy Spirit. So the question is, is this pouring out about receiving the Holy Spirit? Um, New Testament believers who do not have the Holy Spirit suddenly receive Holy Spirit. Is it about that? No, it is about this power. That's why it talks about seeing vision, um, uh, seeing vision, prophesying and all that. So he's talking about a very special outpouring. Like, like rivers of water pouring. Okay, so now. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Okay, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now, Jesus is talking to the disciples. They are believers. Let's read together. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, Alright, so now, the Lord said this to the disciples. He said, now you go to Jerusalem and wait. These are disciples, means they have the Holy Ghost. But yet he says, you wait there. 
and at that part, at a particular time, which is Pentecost, you will receive power after the Holy Ghost is what is that word? After the Holy Ghost fill you, after the, the Holy Ghost come upon you. He did not say after you receive the Holy Ghost in dwelling. Remember? Now filling means what? How do you, what is the sequence of a believer's salvation? First, you receive Christ, at that point you receive the indwelling or infilling. Indwelling. Then what happens when God strengthens you for power to do his work? It's called the in infilling. Alright? So the Bible often uses the word come upon to describe infilling, right? Uh, so now Jesus says, you already have the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost come upon you, which is infilling, you will receive power. Okay? Now, the Lord was referring to this particular event. You will receive power. What power? How to do what is described there? Um, look at verse 8. The power is to be witnesses. In other words, preach the gospel. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, unto the uttermost part of the world. Means they are going to go far and wide to preach the gospel. Now, until this point of time, did the Jews travel to faraway places to preach the gospel? It's always the people come to Jerusalem to know God. But this time, God is going to send them forth. Do you think when God sends them forth, it's going to be an easy thing? No. It's going to be a very difficult work. Right? And that's why many of the apostles were persecuted and so on. Okay, so it was going to be difficult. That's why they need do they still do they need the normal Old Testament uh, way of uh, evangelizing? No, they need a new way. Go out and plant churches. They'll be persecuted. They will feel they'll be hated. And now they need this special infilling courage to preach the gospel. Remember? Like Peter was very courageous after this, right? Despite his denying Christ. Now, this is what Christ was talking about. The question is, what I have for you is this. Now, you turn back to John chapter 7. How do you prove that this speech of Jesus Christ in John 7, 39 is talking about Pentecost? All of you know the right answer, right? Say it's Pentecost. How do you prove from this verse it is Pentecost? Because someone is one day going to ask you. You, you know my trick, right? Whenever I read things to you, I don't finish reading <laughs> the whole verse of the context. Huh? So you read verse 39. How can you prove that this is about Pentecost? That event? Because once you can prove that, it means that yes, it's not about receiving the Holy Ghost at this time. It's about uh, infilling. Right? Who wants to try? A few of the trouble from the rest. So Pentecost was when um, people received the infilling and so they were able to speak in tongues and um, the presence of God was to evangelize and preach the gospel. And so that might refer to Jesus being glorified and Jesus. Okay, very good. So, so Audrey was saying that um, because this is about the Lord going, uh, the people going out to evangelize, um, it has something to do with Christ being glorified. Uh, so, it's that last part of this verse that's very key, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, 
Think of the verse. We will cover this one day in John. Before Jesus went to the cross. Okay? Now, when did Pentecost happen? After the cross, right? Jesus went to the cross. He died. Then he appeared to the people. He said, you go and wait for me in Jerusalem. Pentecost will come. You receive this power. It's after Jesus' death and resurrection. Right? Now, before Jesus went to the cross, he told the Father something. Father, something thyself. Look at think, look think of those verses. Do you remember the verse? Jesus specifically asked the Father in prayer to do something to him. What is that? 17 verse 1. 17 verse 1. Very good. That's 17 verse 1. This is just before the Lord went to the cross. Okay? So it's something to do, like what you said, something to do about glorifying Christ being glorified. Now let's, shall we read um, verses... 1 and 4 together. Reading 1 and 4. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, and thy Son also may glorify thee. Verse 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And then he repeats again, And now, O Father, glorify thou me. Right? Now, Christ talked about him being glorified when he go to the cross. Okay, now, so now when we say Jesus was not yet glorified, means it's about Jesus having gone to the cross, right? But after Jesus had gone to the cross, then he will be glorified. What will happen? He say, this outflowing from your belly, this flowing of rivers of water that he spoke of the Holy Spirit, will be about Pentecost, the event that followed his resurrection. Okay, Canada, who's lost? Ah, you're lost. All right, so I start again, huh? Now, you look at look at John chapter chapter seven. Okay, John chapter seven. Now, okay, maybe the question is this first. There are people who say Christians don't have the Holy Ghost until until the New Testament. All right, then they quote this verse. Say, uh, um, we have not received the Holy Ghost. The question is this: Did Christians already have the Holy Ghost, and then Christ was talking about? another thing that is the Holy Ghost strengthening the Christian. Or is he talking about receiving the Holy Ghost from scratch? Alright? We believe that Christians always have the Holy Ghost if you're a true believer by the Old or New Testament. When Jesus says this, he's not saying you don't have the Holy Ghost, huh? the Holy Ghost is going to come later. No, he's saying that you already have the Holy Ghost, but when I am glorified, and we read that now, it's about him going to the cross and resurrecting. When that happened, Jesus said, then you will receive the Holy Ghost. Uh, means at the time, you will receive power. It is not you will receive Him into you. You already have, but you receive Him as you receive power from Him. Okay? Alright, we will talk a bit more afterwards. Alright, so, so that is what, so it's, it's very easy to explain this because of the last part. The Lord Himself in the Bible clarified it. Okay, so it's not that, oh, after that then believers begin to receive the Holy Ghost. Okay, so now be able to explain that clearly. Otherwise, you will have a false doctrine. You know, you will end up being what? You must speak in tongues. Because you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Ghost. And you end up in that kind of... Okay, now we move on. Okay, so now that is what I wanted to be able to make sure you understand clearly. Does anyone have any question about this? Huh? Okay. Now here, then we move on. 
we already studied that the, now, the Sanhedrin, uh, the chief priests and the Pharisees, they asked the soldiers of, of their officers to go and arrest Jesus. Alright? What happened? Did they arrest Jesus? Now, look at verse 45. Let me continue. Verse 45. Did they arrest Jesus? Now, verse 45. Then came the officers to the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they said unto him, Why have ye not brought him? Hello? Ooh, I sent you out to arrest him. Why you come back empty-handed? Alright, verse 46, the officers answered, Never man spake like this man. They, they didn't dare to arrest him. They said, This man is not like a normal man. When he speaks, there's power. He speaks as God speaks on earth. We, we want to arrest him. And then verse 47, Then answered them, the Pharisees saying, Are ye also deceived? Huh? You also got um, deceived by him? Then verse 48, Have any of the rulers or Pharisees believed on him? So, you know what he's saying? He look at the soldiers. Are you also tricked by this, this Jesus? And what is his basis for saying that they should not believe? Look at verse 48. He asked, have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed on him? That's the basis. Oh, look at us. We didn't believe. Rulers don't believe. Pharisees don't believe. If we don't believe, this is not true. That's what he's saying. Right, so now, I ask you this question. The Pharisees' argument about what is true or false. What should be the right approach? We read, we read a bit more. All right? So that's what he said. And then, um, and then he said, verse 49, he said, These people that know not the law are cursed. Then Nicodemus said unto them, You know which Nicodemus this is? This? The same one we talked about. The one that came to Jesus by night. That not our law... Judge any man before he hear him and know what he doeth. Okay, so Nicodemus is a fair man, he's a just man. He asked the Pharisees, I thought when it comes to the law, since you brought up the law, I thought when it comes to the law, our law says that a man is innocent until proven guilty. Where do you think this law comes from? The Bible. Huh? Okay, that is what it is. The Roman law also adopted it. Then what does what does the Pharisee answer in verse 52? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? What is he saying? Remember the people say, hey, can Jesus come from, can prophet come from Galilee? No, right? Prophet must come from Bethlehem. Right? So he said, oh. Okay, so this man asked like that. But I thought our Lord said a man is innocent until, until proven guilty. And the answer was, was what? Are you from Galilee? What is he saying? You suck your own people. Jesus is from Galilee. So you are from Galilee, that's why you suck your own people? Is that the way to answer when people... Now, is it true that the law, that they are innocent and you proven guilty? It's true. But he such that he don't want to answer that. Instead, he say, Kakila. Uh, oh, your friend, huh? Your friend, that's why you suck him. This is your friend. Those who don't understand Hokkien. Kakila right? means your own people. Uh, you're taking side. Uh, this is what he's saying. You're taking side. When people are wrong, this is how they answer. <laughs> right? This is how they answer. They sidestep the issue and they start to scold you for something else. Uh, change the topic. Or in the army, we call it throw smoke bombs. Right? Confuse the whole issue. <laughs> A lot of smoke everywhere. Right? So this is how, how they dealt with it. Number one, he's saying that have any of the rulers and the Pharisees believe on him? Why do you believe? Number two, throw smoke bomb. 
That changed the issue. How should a Christian judge what is right or wrong? Is it like the Pharisees? Pastor Joseph, uh, Reverend Joseph say it's right. Pastor so-and-so say it's right. Huh? Wow, the book that I bought, the author says, John Calvin say it's right. Who are we to say it's wrong? Is that how he... Is people are saying that, oh, I'm Pharisee, you know? And these are rulers of the Sanhedrin, religious rulers, top people. We don't believe. And they say, oh yeah, yeah, true. How stupid of me. I'm so silly. So silly. Okay, sorry, sorry. Is that our attitude? Nicodemus was quite good. Nicodemus actually thought. Thought about it. What is the Christian? So in other words, what is the Christian? What should be the right approach? What is the Christian's um, evaluation? How should the Christian evaluate what is true or not true? What is it? The word of God. Okay. Sometimes when I ask your question, you really don't know or you all want to answer. <laughs> or you think I'm asking a rhetorical question. Alright? So now, the we never don't take man's word and say that it's Bible truth. Alright? You know the Berean Christians, they always check. You must study the word of God. That's why you must study and study and study. That's the only way to protect you. Otherwise, you become a man follower. To be a man follower is very dangerous. Okay? When a man goes wrong, you go wrong. You never follow a preacher, you never follow a pastor, you never follow a writer. You follow them when they are correct. You follow hard after them and learn. But check. If they are not right, you don't follow them. Understand that? So, don't be Christians that Hey, my church, my friend goes to this church. Well, the church is very big. Wow, then uh, the church is very successful. It must be correct. Uh, I just go there. But you don't study the word. You don't know what they do, whether it's correct or not. So you must be like that, all right? Uh, there will be men who will be like that. I say so. So you believe. You know, when, when, we, when we preach in FEDC, we study one of the classes. It's called homiletics. Right? Homiletics is when you learn to preach. And all of us have to go up and preach, and then guess who assesses us? All right, the person that we fear the most. His name is called Reverend Quack. <laughs> so Reverend Quack is our homiletics lecturer, and uh, you go up, you tremble, right? You tremble, and then you preach, and then after that he will tear everything that you say apart, every statement that you make, he will tear it apart, all right? And he will ask you to defend it, even if you're right, he will make it sound like it's so wrong. You have to defend it. You know? And then he will treat you. He will make you think of you that for and say, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. He says, no, but you were right. <laughs> Why does he do that? Why do you think he do that? Because he's really quiet. <laughs> no, he does that because one day we will come out and handle the word of God. Men are going to listen to us. As we teach rubbish, the younger ones who don't know better, they just follow. You know, sheep. You know what? You are sheep, right? You're sheep. You know the characters of sheep? Sheep, sheep follow. Right? So it's very dangerous. So he makes sure that everything that we teach, we can defend from the word of God. It is not I say, I think, but it is what God really said. Right? So that's very important. Okay, so same, when you evaluate sermons, you listen, you download sermons from the internet and all that, you have to listen. You have to ask, is this correct or not? Okay? So then they say, why, do you know this? The most famous rapper? It's a very famous rapper now, right? What's his name? I forget. The Cry? Huh? The Cry? 
a lot of people are watching his video and then he raps. And anyway, you know, people are just swarming to him watching his video and, and all that, all because it's him. You know? And he said this, I, I copied it down. He said this, you do not need, he said, would you rather be a moral, righteous person that is well that was known in this world on the tombstone, was well known in this world for, for helping people know that uh, rock music is from the devil and, uh, and, and, and don't, don't, don't wear tattoos? Or would you rather be someone whose life is messy and hard, but then you love God and you help people? Wow, then people write, wow, this is a great sermon. This is... Now, what is wrong with that sermon? What's wrong with that rap sermon? <laughs> What's wrong? What's wrong with that? And continue first. Alright? Hopefully we'll come back to that. Okay? Now, so now these people are like that. You must not be intimidated. Alright? You must not be intimidated. You must stand clearly and squarely on the word of God. Um, now next. Okay, so now they throw smoke bomb, right? They change the topic. Uh, this is so you, you you want to win argument, this is what you do. <laughs> Okay, change the subject. Now, 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 loose, listen to this very carefully. So this is, you know, you know what is, okay, we read first, huh? um, verse, verse 8, verse okay, verse 52, right now, smoke one. They answered and said, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee arises no prophet. Search and look. You know, in Hokkien, they call it Pua Hang. You know what is that? Don't know. I'm not Hokkien. Pua Hang means play by frightening you. Okay, play by frightening you. Scare tactics. Okay, thank you very much. I need to be more English than dialect. Scare tactics. This is scare tactics. Alright? We are rulers. There's no prophet from Galilee. You can go and check. Did they check now? Look next. And every man, verse 15, every man went up quite quiet. Oh yeah, how silly of us to question the leaders. Of course they know. And they go home. Need to check now. No need. They're correct. They went home. Okay, so now the map comes in. Who wants is it any prophet come out of Galilee? Okay. Who wants to draw Israel? Did I hear someone's stomach go? Who wants to draw? I think uh, you were not around, right? Uh, Brenda? I was. Oh, you were? She has it. You want to try? I have a picture. You can help the others remember. Alright, so who wants to try? Who wants to try? Very good, because we learn. We learn. We learn the time. Enough. 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 Don't try and throw smoke bomb. It's alright, let him drop, but then you can. 
Otherwise, you see, because of you, I can't draw. <laughs> Little King? Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah, wow, okay. It's like a hardship or something here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the heart? Where's the heart? Very easy to recognize where the heart is. Help him, someone. This like this. Next to the little bum. Why did not you draw a heart? The heart, your heart. Right, it's kind of like a heart. It's 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 like a It's like a heart. It's like a heart. It's like a heart. It's like a It's and then now you draw Oman's face. 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 That's why we do this. So remember, about 30 degrees, about 30 degrees, alright? 30 degrees, little bump, and then come down like that. Alright, then, uh, yes, around here, your right, uh, around there is this. Then River Jordan comes down, and something like this. Okay? Alright, this is River what? Or Lake what? Dead Sea. Alright, this one? Sea of Galilee. Alright, so where's Galilee? Where's Galilee? Next to Sea of Galilee. Alright? Okay, so I don't know whether everyone can see. Alright, so now, he said, no prophet came out of this area. Galilee. Where's Samaria? In between what? Where's Judea? Judea. Alright? Where's Samaria? In between. Okay, so Galilee is up here. He said, no prophet come out from here, go home. Alright, let's go. Now, is it true? Is it true? What is a very famous prophet that, that was swallowed up by a big whale? Really? I didn't know Jonah was swallowed up by a whale. A big fish, you don't know what to right? Big fish, you don't know whether it was a whale. Right, big fish. Jonah. Jonah is from the tribe of? How come you don't know? Such a straightforward answer. Okay, you won't know. It's from Zebulun. <laughs> Zebulun. Alright? Zebulun. Now the question is this. Where is Zebulun? Alright, see who's the fastest. Zebulun, look at your map. The tribe of Zebulun. Yeah, and it is? Right in Galilee. Right at Galilee. Alright? The Bible tells us that Jonah came from Zebulun. Was Jonah a great prophet? He's called the prophet Jonah. <laughs> so you can't get more prophet than that. The Bible called him prophet Jonah. He was from Galilee. So is it true that no prophet came from Galilee? Alright, so you see how people can be when it comes to handling God's word. 
you got to know God's word. Why do I need to study God's word? So that you don't get fooled. Right? The Bible wants us in the end times there will be many false teachers. If you do not know, if you don't come for Bible studies, you don't learn, you will easily fall into false doctrines. Right? So you must know. So we learn all this not for fun. It's so that our understanding of God and His word is very clear and very strong. Right? So don't be threatened by people. Okay, so we also don't get threatened by Reverend Quack. So now we challenge us, challenge us. We have to be very strong. If you know it's right, we must stick to it. Okay? And then he will say, You know why I do this to you? Because I'm your friend. <laughs> so he said, Well, I have friends like that. We don't need enemies. He said, No, your enemies are all out there. <laughs> right? I'm your friend. And it's very true. When you come out to the working world, but for me, I preach, I come out. I will read books, people will challenge me, right? And then they will say, no, this is not true. You um, uh, faith is wrong, and all that. Then I have to know the word of God very well. My enemies are already out there. They will try to deceive, charismatism, cult, and all that. They will come to your knock on your door, they will challenge you. The enemies is already out there, right? So he helped us. Thank God for sending good lecturers. So study, study the word. Dr. Ku is also very good. So study. Then you become strong. Then you won't be like them, huh? Dog with tail between tail, uh, dog with the tail between the legs, and then doing that. Right? This is what happened to them because they did not know God's word. Okay, very sad, huh? And as a result, they did not know Jesus. Okay, so now that. Now we move to the next one. Chapter 8. Okay, chapter 8. Woman caught in adultery. Hey, by the way, any questions? Huh? That's clear, huh? Okay. Woman caught in adultery. Okay, let's read these um, seven verses together, please. Jesus went unto the house of Moses, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery. In the very act, now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be so. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stood down, and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you. Let him first cast the stone at her. Uh, verse 8 and 9 together again. And, and again he stood down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went up one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Okay, now, let's finish reading it, sorry. 10 and 11, finish the story. And when Jesus had lifted up himself, and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those that accusers? Have no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now, this is what is called the pericope di adultera. Right? Now, this is the story of the adulterers. Now, do you know that this story? Or this, or we call this story, these infections, 
right? So modern versions, um, they remove this. So you don't have this. But many people complain. Right? So when you have modern versions, you look in there, they will put double brackets or bracket, square bracket. And then you read at the bottom, they will say, oh, this was not found in the best manuscripts. Huh? They will say that. They say this is not in there. What are the best manuscripts? Okay. Remember those of you that do BBK? We have the originals, and then we have the copies of the Bible. All right? The church always believed in it, received it. Then at one point, the corrupt copies were always thrown away, but someone picked up those and made it into, they said, oh, these, these are good. It's kind of like, you know, you do your homework, right? you do your maths, okay? Maths, when you do all the calculation, calculation, ah, wrong. Okay, calculate, calculate, wrong. Just dump it in the bas basket, all right? All the formulas are wrong. Okay, some parts right, some parts wrong. Okay, then you throw it in the basket. And then your class will come. <laughs> oh, I didn't do my homework. Brenda did her homework. Let me creep in. Oh, no homework in the dustbin. You pick it all up. Alright? So you run to school and say, I did my homework. And then you do. And then we look at, oh, a lot of things don't seem right. You don't tally. But never mind, this must be it because Brenda is a smart girl. Alright? This is it. Alright? And then you keep using that. The teacher keeps going, that's wrong. No, it's correct. This is exactly what happened in the Bible um, history. Alright? They threw it away and then they picked it up and they keep insisting. Now, what is this line? Alright, later, it's two men called Westcott and Paul. Westcott and Paul. They are the ones who then took all these corrupted, thrown away ones and make it into a New Testament text. And then everything don't tell you. So they will come up all sorts of rules to decide which verse should be in, which verse should be out. When, they, when you read these modern versions and they say, this is not found in the best version, best manuscripts, uh, they're referring to the Westcott and Paul. Right? Whenever it says best and oldest and all that, it's referring to Westcott and Hawk very often. Right? So Westcott and Hawk. Now, why do you think it was not in there? Because there was a monk back then who was called Brand. And then he copied, and then oh I missed out a whole passage. Throw it away. Right? There's not a monk called Brand. Someone he copied. And then oh, left up. Hey, this is wrong. This is wrong. I left it out. I left it out. I'm throwing it away. But they pick up. Of course, it's left out because it's a corrupt version. Why? Right? It was always there. Right? It was always there. They use corrupt version. That's why it's not there. Okay, so now this is in um, some modern versions. Uh, either not there or they put a bracket and say not in the best versions. In other words, not in best version. Okay, so now this. What can we learn from this? Look at chapter 8. Okay, verse 1. Jesus went on to the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. What can we learn from here? Don't rush through your devotion. Huh? Look at question number 3. In 8.2, when did the people gather to Jesus to tell him? What should we learn? Okay, before we even jump into the story about the adulterers, what can we learn here? Now, the Lord Jesus went up early. He went up early. In the morning, and a lot of people came. A lot of people came. I hope this is your life. When did they come to Jesus? Early in the morning. 
They were very interested. And they were got up, prepared themselves. Jesus is going to be in the temple. Let's all gather there. And the Bible tells us all the people came. The city, a lot of people came. They were very interested to learn from Jesus. It doesn't change today. What about you and I? What is the first thought that comes to your mind when you wake up? What is it? Whatever it is, a cartoon is going to start. What is it? These people, when they woke up, the first thing they want to do is to hear Jesus, to hear Him. So you must be like that. The first thing that in the morning you come, you wake up, I want to read the Bible. I want to hear what Jesus has to say to me today. I want to learn about Him. Right? So don't, don't miss it. Don't miss it. You may think that, oh, yeah, that is so lucky, yeah. Good, huh? Is it good or not? Or are you are you luckier? I shouldn't say lucky. Are you are you more blessed? <laughs> more lucky Christian, right? Do you believe in that? So are you more blessed or them? Well you get to go and hear Jesus, you know. What do you think, Nancy? <coughs> uh is it work? They probably have to go early. They hear they okay. I have to now go to the farm already. That few moments I want to at least I get. Okay lah. Then we are more. Why? Because uh, everything is here. You don't have to like go all over the place to listen. Every everything is where. In the Bible. In the Bible, right? In the Bible, in your handphone, in your iPad, in your wow. everywhere. Are we more blessed? Yeah, far more blessed. They have to get up. He said, oh, going to the farm, farm this direction, a temple that direction. I want to hear Jesus. Let's go, let's go so early. And then you have to walk through, you know, terrains and all that to get to the temple to hear. You just wake up. You need to go through that or not. You just walk to the bathroom, brush your teeth, come back to bed, and then you can hear the voice of the Lord. Right? How much more are we blessed? Why do we throw it away? Because too easy. Too easy. We don't treasure it. Right? So treasure it. Make it a point that every morning you get up, Lord. I want to hear what you have to say. Read the Bible. Right? So they, that's that's their life. I hope the first thing you think of is the law. The law. Who wants to share what's the first thing they think of when they wake up in the morning? What time is it? It's time to be how I came back. It's time to go and listen. Today. Today. You thought of dentist. And then you thought of needle. Why are you going to the dentist? Oh. Oh. Okay. So, there are all sorts of thoughts will come to us. The point is this. But I see these people, they were so interested in the Lord. So, He's our Lord. I hope you do your devotion. Huh? Every day. Okay. Now, we move. We move. And then... Hmm. Okay. So, here... You, this will be difficult for you to answer, but let's see how, how good you are with the Old Testament. Now, the Pharisees brought this woman. They caught her in adultery, verse 3. Alright? And then verse 4. He said, Master, wow, Master. Now, flattery, Master. They want to catch him. Okay? Master, this woman was taken in adultery, the very act, verse 5. And he says, now they challenge him. Now, Moses in the law, Commanded us that this should be stoned. What will you say? Verse 6. This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. 
What is the purpose of them asking this? The Bible tells us is to try and trap Jesus. Try and trap Jesus. Okay? Insincere. Trap Jesus. Now, why do you think by asking this, they could trap Jesus? Because they're guessing that he's going to go against the law of the Pharisees. Okay, correct. So, they want to trap him because they think that by saying that, if Jesus says no, ah, you against the law of Moses. Ah, you say you're a prophet? Uh, you're a false prophet, right? But what if you say yes? Has she been tried? It's not only because it's caught in the act. So they were correct. No, it's actually caught in the act. Okay, Leviticus 20.10. So you are not learned in the law of the New Testament. Leviticus 20. Leviticus 2010, uh, let's read together. And the man that committed adultery with another man's wife, even he that committed adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Correct, right? Must be put to death. Alright? Okay, so now, uh, how are they going to trap him? You see, it's like that. Um, in the Old Testament, now, okay, maybe just read this, just read this. If Jesus said, yes, stone her, what would they say? Look at, look at Leviticus 20. What would they say? What would they say? Right or wrong? Right or wrong? Uh, number one, there's a problem, right? The adulterer was not there. Right? The man was not there. But 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 it said stone her. They didn't say stone her. <laughs> Very good. So they're gonna double trap him. Ah, double trap him, right? It didn't say stone. Alright? It didn't say stone. Uh, number one. But were there cases where they would be stoned? Okay? Would there be cases where the person is stoned? Okay. Would there be a case where they would be stoned? There are two situations, alright? So you read, the other one is in Deuteronomy, I think 22, 23. Ah, yes. 22, 23. Deuteronomy 22, 23. Okay, now we read this out. And you must know the difference, huh? You see, they, they, they know the law very well, huh? they're trying to trap you in this. Verse 23. Let's read together, 23 and 24. If a damsel that is a virgin may be thrown unto her husband, and a man find her in the city and lie with her, then he shall bring them both out of the gate of the city, and he shall stone them with stones that they die. The damsel, because she cried not being in the city, and man, because he humbled his neighbor's wife, so now she shall put away evil from the mouth. Okay? Now put put a put a marker there. Alright? Now, so do you see that there was stoning, right? The previous one, no stoning, right? You know what's the difference? The difference is this. In Deuteronomy, when it is a virgin, haven't gotten married, alright, just betrothed. 
engaged to someone. In cases like that, it is stoning to death. Okay? The case you read in Leviticus, it is what? It is when it is an adulterous, a married woman, not a virgin. The Bible just says, God just said, put them to death. Did not say stone. Understand? Now, so they want to trap him. Is this woman married or unmarried? They never say. Right, they stone her straight away. Okay? Then if Jesus says stone, then they will say, hey, the law says only for those that are unmarried, you stone. So they're wrong. Okay? So they want to trap him. And if they say, um, don't stone, they don't stop. Hey, wrong says must kill the person. Hope you don't kill the person. Right? So this is how they want to trap them. Okay? So now, just put a piece of paper on Deuteronomy. Let's come back to the story. They want to trap him. Let's see. Can you outbid Jesus now? He is God, you know. You can't. And he's the one who gave the law. By the way, Jesus wants to play this game with them. Okay? You see. Next. Um, this they say tempting him that he might accuse him and then what was Jesus doing in verse 6 let's read but Jesus stood down and with his finger was on the ground as though he had come out okay so he went he went okay then we know the end of the story right now it's one by one you look at him he said let them let him who has no sin be the first to cast the first stone after that, he said that. Then he stood down and he went. Again, he stood down. Look at verse 8. After he said that, Jesus stood down again. Verse 8. Then he right again. So you know the scene, huh? They, they come and try and trap him. No, they come and okay, he stood down and he went. Okay? And then he talk, 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 talk. Then he said, okay, who has no sin? Cast the first stone. He stood down. And then after what happened? One by one, himself. Right? What do you think Jesus was writing? What do you, why did he? No one knows. <laughs> but some people guess. Many guesses. Alright? Many guesses. And I think Dr. Kuhl's um, um, conjecture or his, his uh, 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 spiritual guess, what do you call that? A good guess is now, he said that this is about adultery. Alright? And then these people, after see Jesus write things on the floor, they laugh. Uh, so Dr. Kuhl said that likely he was writing the names of all the women that the Pharisees and the scribes had committed adultery with or had lusted in their mind with. Right? Adultery is lust in the mind. You necessarily have to commit adultery. Alright? So maybe he was writing all the way up, oh, oh elders, ah, that woman. You've been thinking of her all the time, all the things, all those filthy things. Then he wrote the name of the woman, right? Some names, right? Any name? Wendy, <laughs> Susie. Right? Anyway, those people don't have such names, right? So just write the name, and then say. Right. So one by one, Jesus didn't have to say anything. That's why I say you have no sin. You have not committed adultery. Right. So they were convicted in their heart. A few things I want to learn, many things I want to learn from this part. Number one is this. Um, 
Question number six first, all right? Let me do the best. Question number six. What is your attitude towards others who fall into sin? What is your attitude towards others who fall into sin? Bring them out and hang them. What can we learn from this incident of the adult from the uh, this incident? What can we learn from the adulterers? Number one. What can we learn from the Pharisees? Number two, and from the Lord Jesus. Okay. What can you learn about learn about the adulterers first? So let's talk about Pharisee first. What can you learn? What do you think? Uh, Jasmine. What do you think, Jasmine? What can you learn about the Pharisees then? Hypocrite. Well, wow, that's an excellent word. Why do you call them hypocrites? Because that's why the Lord said, if you don't have sin, sometimes it could be the very sin that you also have. Very often, people who are accused, who are very self-righteous, um, very often are truly hypocrites themselves. When you get angry at someone, when you accuse someone, when you get upset at people, be it in school, at home, the first thing you must ask is, am I also guilty of that? We are ourselves guilty of that. Why are you still so hot-tempered? Why are you so hot-tempered? <laughs> <laughs> you just look in the mirror, right? You're the one who's being hot-tempered as well. Why are you so... You know, everything. When we are actually the same. Right? So, in fact, a lot of problems in friendships. I don't know if you ever answered that question. Uh, how, what do you? How do I, what do I do when I'm caught in between friendship dramas? <laughs> There are a lot of friendship problems, many relationship problems, or home problems, or whatever, between parents, children, right? Hmm? A lot of disagreements, arguments. Very often, sometimes we are like the Pharisees. We have to ask, am I like that? You know what is so good about that? And maybe now we learn about the adulterers. What can we learn from the adulterers? Ellery, want to try? What, what did you learn from this adulterers? Not, not, definitely not to convey adulterers, that's for sure. But what, what can we learn about this? The way she responded in this situation. She responded? Mm. Why, why do you say calling him Lord? Because she, she knows who he is. Mm. Right? So this is the Lord God. When we also address the Lord as Lord means we submitting to that authority. Right? Authority. She submits to him and say Lord. Right? She was repentant. She was repentant. That's what we must learn. When someone approaches us, we are truly saved. Be repentant. Did this woman argue? Hey, me, why me only? Where's the man? Why you only brought me here? That guy, why didn't you bring him along? She can argue. Right? Really, DLC, you know that kind of thing? She can argue. But she just kept quiet. She knew that she was saved. What do you think it is? 
in the back. Turning away, yes, the word um, literally means turn away, right? Now, um, okay, turn away, yes, but how is that turning away? You must understand repentance and she displayed it. Show repentance. Maybe I ask you when King David, which we'll talk about again after, when King David was exposed, I shouldn't use this as you after this, you know what I'm trying to ask you. What do you think is true repentance? Good example, the good response that, that, that demonstrates true repentance. Uh, the, the, the attitude. Okay, so it's meek. Your sin. In other words, okay, true repentance always remember this. You do not give excuses. You do not resist and fight and give excuses. So you're meek. You just humbly say, yes, I have sinned. That's it. I admit fault. I confess my fault. God, God in front of you, I confess. No excuses. Hmm? Who is an example who always gives excuses? I suppose... But, but you are you. Then, second time, I suppose again, but they are, they are, they are. Huh? What? Oh, yeah, okay. And then when they, yeah, and then when they, that's, that's where we all learn it from. Right? You blame us, then you don't blame why, right? Actually, that's really the thing here. See, that's, we always blame. Anything happen at home? No okay. That is an unrepentant spirit. Okay, so now, who is this person? What? How come I hear? Saul, right? King Saul. God say, kill all. He didn't. Right? He didn't kill all. God say, um, only priests can offer sacrifices. Then King Saul will offer sacrifices, right? What did he say when Samuel come? Samuel said, you're not supposed to offer sacrifices only for the priest. You're a king, you can't. What did he say? Oh yeah, Samuel, you are. You seem so late already. The battle going to start already, then you are so late. I don't have no choice, I can do this as well. Right? That's what he said, right? Excuses. He was proud, he wanted to rule. He wanted to be a priest also. Excuses, unrepentant. Don't let me. And later, God said, how come I hear all the animals? I thought, kill all the animals? He said, no, 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 no. The people want to keep the animals to offer sacrifices. True or not? You read the whole story. The, not people. He, he wanted to keep it. He won the bounty. Excuses. Blame. Always blame. Right? That's the Garden of Eden. Thank you very much. Garden of Eden. That's where we learn. When you have arguments with someone, learn true repentance. In your heart, you just examine it. Lord, is it true or not? The person said I lost my temper. The person said I'm I'm very short tempered. The person said that um, I'm very lazy. The person said that um, I'm not respectful. Then you must examine your heart and just ask Lord, is it true? Admit fault. Confess. Confess. That is true repentance. You know why? Actually, let me ask you. Who is more wicked than sinner? King David or King Saul? David, why do you say so? Why is David more wicked? 
Why do you think so? What? Sister always asks for definition. Alright. Was King Saul a more was King David a more terrible sinner than King Saul? What is the nickname of David? A man after God's own heart. Okay, but was King David more terrible a sinner than King Saul? Do you think so? Which was more terrible? Okay, so yeah, in terms of their the things that they have done. Uh, okay, we are redefining my question. Who did more terrible things? Whether believer or not believer? Wow, you're all very too smart already. Okay, who did more terrible things? King Saul or King David? King, King, which one? King David. Why, why King David? Because he was... <coughs> no, no, adults cannot answer. Since I should adults are here to facilitate. Because we got to, you know, test that. Uh... Yeah, morally. In the eyes of men. Oh, so King, so King David killed someone, murdered someone. What did he do? He asked for the husband of the woman to go to the hottest part of the battle and hopefully get killed there. Why did he send him there? He wanted him to die because he wanted his wife. Right? King, Saul, King David not only committed murder, he committed adultery plus murder. Right? Yes. But then isn't like Saul's sin when he like, he seems that he is darker than God. No, I'm talking about human speaking. Yeah. Which, which is more terrible? Which is more terrible? King David, right? Yeah. But how come King David is called man after God's name? Yeah. It depends between King David and King Saul. You want to be a woman after God's name? You want to be a man after God's own heart? That is the definition. We do not keep resisting. We do not keep giving excuses. We confess. Why is that Why is that a man after God's own heart when you're like that? Why? Why do you think like that? Because you're like that. So you don't know or you want me to say? <laughs> Why? <coughs> honest with God. Honest with yourself as well. Honest with yourself. You don't make like excuses to make it seem like it's not your fault. Okay, don't make excuses like it doesn't seem like your fault. Okay. So are you after your sister's heart? When you tell her, okay, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. <laughs> That's the last thing. Right? <laughs> After each other's neck. <laughs> why? Why is it like that? The reason why I want to point this out in this passage is, this woman was ex exhibiting a behavior that we must learn, not the adultery part. Yeah. Um, remember your try. Why do you think a person is after a person's heart? God's God's heart. Right? When you say I'm after someone's heart, huh? I'm after Cheryl's heart. 
Yeah. And I'm very angry every day. <laughs> Can I say I'm after, huh? When you're after someone's heart means you only want to please the person. You only want to do what gives joy to the person. So the cue is you want to please the person as a mental thing, right? You want to please. What is the sign that you want to please someone? When you have sinned, you say, I've sinned, sorry, and I change. I don't want to grieve you anymore. I repent. Understand that? This is the meaning of true repentance after God's own heart. So are there many sins in your life that you refuse to give up? They keep going back? You can't say that you're after God's heart. You grieve God's heart all the time. Now, this woman was very genuine in repentance. She never argued, she never gave excuses. She just said, Wait. So the next time your dad, your mom scolds you, are you going to give excuses? Fight? Resist? If you're wrong, just say, Dad, Mom, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry I made you angry. Please forgive me. I want to repent. I'll do my best. Right? We're supposed to do that. That's a genuine repentance. <laughs> A lot, of, a lot of situations are because problems that we have in relationships are because we refuse to be repentant. Okay, so that's what we learned. So will you do that? Will you learn that? That is very important. I don't want to create monsters teenagers. You know what monster teenagers? Hello, alright, describe. Monster teenagers are those that know God's work very well, but doesn't change the heart. Understand? So BPCWA must never produce monster teenagers and adults. <laughs> right? must never. We must, when we study gospel, when we know gospel, it must be shown in our lives. To be gentle, meeker, honest, humble. Okay, so now that was this woman. She knew it to have sinned. Okay. So don't be like the Pharisees also. I always Saying, you are wrong, you are wrong, you are wrong. Just finding fault with, with everyone. Are you a type of person who's like, very always finding fault with people? That's what they were. Okay, so now, what can we learn about the Lord Jesus? Okay, maybe we ask this question then, because we have to do question number three. This one of the things we have to answer. Uh, no, question number four. Why do Christians not put adulterers to death today? Someone commits adultery, right? Really drags the person in by the hair. They say, let us put this person to death. It's in the Bible, right? And Peter say, no. And then he say, you sin. <laughs> you must follow the Bible, right? I'll answer that. And then um, the sister say, no. Jesus forgave the woman. Jesus didn't kill the woman. Jesus had removed capital punishment in the New Testament. And I ask you, did Jesus abolish capital punishment? Number four. This is a very big question today, right? A lot of big arguments about capital punishment. Capital punishment means the death penalty. The big hoo-ha recently is about what? Right? The, drug, the drug smugglers in Indonesia, they were given death sentences. Politicians fight against it and say, oh, this is terrible. You know, in fact, many countries that have death penalties, they are, uh, they are seen as backward, cave-like, cavemen, you know, and they should not be part of um, this forum and that forum. So now, did Jesus abolish the death sentence? Hmm? 
when you say stone her, sister says Jesus has removed that sentence. That's why Jesus said, Go your way. Go, 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 free to go. Did Jesus abolish that sentence? No. Why do you say so? Be from here. Must be from here. Because people quote this, let's see Jesus abolish capital punishment. Jesus abolished capital punishment. Did Jesus say, did Jesus abolish capital punishment here? No. no. Why? He didn't say that, right? In fact, he said, what is it? Is this stone? <laughs> is this stone? <laughs> did he say, no, 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 no more stoning, please? He said, stone. He said, there are none of you are fit for stone. Okay, is it true or not? Jesus was catching them. Because in the Old Testament, when the child disobeyed the parents and repeatedly refused to obey the parents, what would the parents do? The parents will stone the child to death. Alright? Old Testament. Ah, serious. Ah, serious. Right? So most of the parents want to want to re-implement that. <laughs> right, so now, um, so they're supposed to that the parents have seen, right? And the parents were supposed to stop. Okay, so it's not come up about that issue. Now, did Jesus abolish? No. So in the first place, Jesus did not. Jesus did not say no, she's no more death, death penalty, don't punish, don't punish her by stoning. Jesus said, can't stone. It's okay. You know? Um, so now the question is, then did Jesus break the law? Did Jesus break the law? Okay, so maybe I'll help you with this thinking. Remember, we must be consistent with other parts of scripture. Okay, try the adults. I'm trying to consider you adults. Um, what's my question? Uh, say again? Did Jesus break the law? No. Um, to give example, I mean, based on this passage, right? The Pharisees themselves already had the thought of committing adultery itself, and then they want, if they have to stone that woman for committing adultery, they must have stoned themselves. Okay, yeah. alright. So the only person then who has no sin is who? Jesus. 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 So, the one who so Jesus has stoned her. Did Jesus stone her? He did her. <laughs> Jesus did stone her. So he broke the law. No, he said, like, if you want to stone her, then you can. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, in the sense he did, right? You can put his owner. Yeah. So, so put the Pharisees aside. I right? put them aside. Put them aside. So maybe I ask, we just talk about someone who committed adultery in the Old Testament. Did he die? Who was that? David, right? Was David an um, adulterer? Yes. Did he die? I mean, he died. Yes. <laughs> did, did he, was he put in the death penalty because of adultery? I'm not that tricky. Right? Tricky to that extent. Okay, so, so what, did, what, did, what did Nathan say to him? What did Nathan say to him? Nathan actually said, turn to 1 Samuel. Um, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13.
second sermon from the throne was the king. Let's read together. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord will also so put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Nathan, as a prophet of God, said, No, the death penalty will not be implemented on you. Did David commit murder? He did. Right? Both murder and adultery. Double sin. And yet God said, He will not die. Does God have the right not to take the life? He said the law. He has the right. So Jesus was not abolishing that penalty. But just like in the Old Testament, the Lord has said, Jesus himself said, you know, he will not die. I choose not to implement that on you. But when Jesus said you implement, he didn't stop, you must implement. Understand? Okay? So now, Jesus didn't stop us from killing the person that really dragged into the church. How? It's illegal. It's illegal. What means it's illegal? Oh, then we must be strong Christians. We must do what the Bible says, even if we get thrown into prison. We must kill the person. Ah, what does that mean? <laughs> Many people don't know what that means. Okay, so now the, the thing is this. Many people struggle with this. Come, how come, you know? Now, because of the whole concept of a nation. A nation. Who was Israel's government before New Testament? It was God himself, right? It's called theocracy. You know, theocracy. What are we today? Democracy, right? Rule of men. Theocracy means God rule. Now, God ruled them. So God gave them laws, right? And this was God's law. Now, do you ever ask yourself, why the Jews did not kill Jesus themselves? <laughs> they kept telling Pilate, kill him, kill him, kill him, kill him. Keep shouting, kill him. Why did Pilate say you kill him yourself? Why did the Jews not kill Jesus? The Jews can kill, the Jews in the Old Testament can kill someone for blasphemy. And they accuse Jesus of blasphemy. But the Jews didn't kill, didn't, didn't kill Jesus. They keep asking the Roman people to kill him. Why? There's no one. Then you understand capital punishment. Because it is no more a theocracy. Remember? It is no more a theocracy. God was no longer their direct government. Who was their direct government in the New Testament? The Romans. Right? The Romans. And the Romans have a law. You citizens cannot take life. Only the government can do that. Understand? That's why they know they cannot kill Jesus. They kill Jesus, then they break the Roman law. They break the Roman law, then they go to prison themselves. Understand that? Okay, so they cannot. That's why they keep telling Pilate, you kill him. Pilate, you kill him. Now, why do we not have, why do we not follow this law of killing the people that that really likes to drag in. Why? Why do we not do that? Because we are no longer, we are not in the first place Jew. We are no, not first place, we are not Israel. We are all under the government law. We do not. So now, this kind of law, then you say, then then, uh, then Vincent said, oh, this is just not very good. It's just a fate of the government. Hmm. How do you answer that? How do you answer that? 
answer that. I just said that. <laughs> 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 okay, you can't say that because you said you just said that. Alright. So how 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 do you answer that? What kind of law is that? Civil law. Civil laws are laws given to govern the civil society. The society given by God is a civil law, right? Civil law. Now, are we still under the civil law of the Old Testament? No. We are under which law? Moral law. We just did that in BBK. Only moral law, right? Um, so, so okay. So that is it. Very clear now about capital punishment and why we don't do it. We're not breaking Old Testament. Now, is there a Bible verse that tells us that this is really the case? Is there or not? Turn to Romans chapter 13. In the New Testament, this is New Testament, right? So you must understand this, uh, if, if not, you wonder why. Romans chapter 13. Now, here the Apostle Paul writes to the Christians that are under the Roman law. And he tell them, okay, um, let's read from verses 1 to verse 4. Verses 1 to 4. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power of God. The powers that be ordained the name of God. Whosoever therefore resisted the power, resisted not the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not desirous of good works, but to the evil. Will thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he heareth not the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God, the revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Understand? So Paul says, submit yourself to governments, and governments are set up by God. And they are the one that God has set as his ministers. Okay, and they will hold the sword, and they will be the avenger. Someone kill your brother, you don't go out and kill the person. You say, God has set this as your avengers. Right? So these people will implement the law. Okay, so we are under, no longer under, civil law. We don't implement this law. But then I ask you this. So is death penalty wrong? What do you think? How do you, do you think death penalty? Do you have to do this kind of papers about capital punishment? Not yet. Okay. Um, so do you think death penalty is, is evil? That's what the world thinks it is. Uh, depending on what, okay. Um, uh, black case is murder. Right? Intentional murder. And then um, a country say for this kind of what we have the law of capital punishment, death penalty. Do you think it's wicked? Evil? Mm -hmm. Okay, it will seem that way. But biblically, what do you think? Uh, do you think it's evil? Murder? Death penalty for murder is just. Okay. Um, okay, just now. So my question is: Is it evil? Can it be evil? Can it be evil? No. The death penalty is it evil? 
บอกเมื่อเดินไปแล้วไปบุคคลที่ไม่มีพิเรตยิ่งกว่า Who is the one who gave death penalty in the Bible? It started in the Bible. Is God? Is God evil? To say that death penalty is evil is to say that what God actually implemented for His nation was evil. Okay. So number one, it's not evil. Now, death penalty is just. For example, you say. Now, why do you think death penalty was actually even good? Why do you think it's even good? Say again. It what sets an example, and when it sets an example, what will happen? Others won't do it. So have you just saved many lives? You have just saved many lives. When God implemented the death penalty, it is not so much to take life; it is to protect innocent lives. Understand that? And that's why God implemented. It's a good law. It's a good law. That's why you know recently when those people were caught, and then uh, the, the drug smugglers, and then you know they the government scold, 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 the citizens scold, 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 and then finally they found no one else to scold. Who did they scold? The policemen, the police here, who informed Indonesia that drug smugglers are going there. Yeah, they said all because of you Australian police who told Indonesian police that drug smugglers were going there and bringing drugs back. All because of you now they have to face death sentence. You, 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 you. What did the man answer the policeman? Now this is where you don't understand God's law. You can only think like that. What did the policeman say? The policeman said something very ludicrous actually. He said, "Who do you want me to protect?" He said, "Who do you want me to protect? You want me to protect your children and innocent lives in public who one day will take their drugs, die, kill another person who is high on drugs, or do you want me to protect these people who are bringing drugs back and forth?" You choose who you who who you choose who you from now onwards who you want to protect, right? That is the death sentence. It is for protection. It is the good law, right? That's why governments who implement it be be supportive. It's difficult. Now, if the government choose not to implement it, shall we go out and pick it? No, we should not. Okay, we that we are not a nation, a Christian nation. Right. Now, let me ask you: If the death penalty, the the government say death penalty, and then after they say, okay, but considering circumstances, we we let you go, we won't we won't face the death penalty. Should we go and say no? We should die. Must die. Or must die. No. Right? Huh? Uh, besides that, I mean, they are the government, yeah. And do we have a biblical example where say it's not necessary for? <laughs> The adulterers, the Lord Himself, they go, right? So if the Lord intervenes and frees them through the government, then so be it. Okay, right. So do we understand that penalty like really clearly? Have you all been asked to write? Okay. 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 Who was against death penalty before he came to do his Bible study? 
is it God who chooses whether a person can be rehabilitated? As in, as in means. It's God who chooses. But God knows the heart of the person. And when the Lord looked at the, the, the woman, he saw the heart, he saw the repentance, and he chose to forgive. And choose to let her go. Now, if a person, like one of the drug addicts or a smuggler, he claimed to have changed, he came to become a Christian, he came to become a preacher in there, and he like really, for all evidences, really changed. You know? Um, but yet, if he were genuine even, but yet the Lord did not intervene in his behavior. did not change the heart of the president, he went to mercy. Why? Covering a bit of You don't know. Assuming he is. Even if he really was. The reality is this. It is up to God. It's up to God. Um, always remember this fact. All sin. God forgives. God can forgive any sin. If you willingly confess and genuinely repent. Alright? God will forgive. So don't think that I'm unforgivable. That sin that I committed when I was young, I'm unforgivable. Don't think God can forgive any sin, but always remember that the consequences can remain. The consequences God did not say I will always take away the consequences. Understand that? In this case, God took away the consequences. In some cases, you commit sin, you murder someone, you went to prison. You really, you came to know the Lord, you genuinely got saved, and you genuinely turned to Christ, and you genuinely preached the gospel in the prison, but because you committed murder, and the consequence of murder is death penalty in the country, you gladly take it. You say, oh, I've done so much good already, you are so unfair. No, if you're a genuine Christian, you understand the Bible, you just take it, that is my consequence. But I'm so thankful that God has forgiven me. Understand? Forgiveness and consequence are separate. And a Christian that is genuine in repentance always ready to take the consequence. When you begin to resist and fight, then it's not genuinely repentant. You just willingly take the repentance the consequences. That's why you know when King David repented, you know what's the significance of King David repenting? You think about it, huh? King David's repentance is very significant, you know, it's not a small thing. Okay, okay, genuine repentance. He was, you know the consequence of David admitting that he had committed murder? Imagine you're a king. Okay? And the penalty for, for adultery and for murder and for murder is that penalty that is the law that you are supposed to implement. Okay? And then you openly say, I have committed murder and You know what's the consequence? Okay, even they say, okay, David, you will not die. We, as a nation, don't put you to death. Like the shame, reputation, or they may even say, okay, he, when we step down, we just don't kill. Do you think all those things were going through David's mind? No, you know. He instantly said that the Lord is not. It's not true. If you confess your sin, that is what is in your heart. You come to God. You don't think about the consequences. You just want God to forgive you. Okay? Understand that? 
Alright, so so yes, if you have the consequences, then just take it. God intervenes and you don't go to the gallow, thank God for it. But whichever way, if you turn to Christ, your sin is forgiven. Okay, alright, so that's about death. That penalty, capital punishment, that many do not understand. You know, when Lee Kuan Yew passed away, um, um, countries, Singapore's um, ex-Prime Minister, when he passed away, all his life, there's one thing that people always attacked him about, the death penalty in Singapore. Death penalty for chewing gum? Death penalty for murder, death penalty for drugs, Death penalty for guns, death penalty for kidnapping. Why do you think it's so safe when it's Singapore? Attacking all the time. So even when he passed away, the Australian press wasn't very nice to express to him. The same thing with the tyrant, with those very archaic laws, and implement death penalty and all that. Yeah, so so people don't understand. It is something that is good. God is the one who gave it. You must implement it correctly. That's all. Even when the government implements God's law, you will find that they will benefit from it. That's why Singapore benefited as a nation because we use many of the Bible law, although it's not the law. Right? So God is a wise God. So if the death penalty is not known, you just need to understand that. Someone asked me once. He said, I cannot accept your call. And I also why. He said, I cannot accept that if someone commits murder, and then you say that if he turns to God, then God will forgive him. Hmm? He said, I, I, I find that this is, I can't accept. Why would you not accept? And, um, and I asked her this, if your brother, who you love very much, committed murder, and then God forgives him, how would you feel? That's the way she made up. I said, yeah, if some, someone kills your brother, you can't take it. Your brother is the one, how would you feel? And I thank God. So, you must always understand the justice of God. Okay, so any question about that penalty anymore? The one thing that I hope you all learn today, two things only. Alright? Number one is the, the story of the adulterers. Learn the attitude of the adulterers. Don't learn the attitude of the Pharisees. Always speaking, fighting. Learn the attitude of the Pharisee. Always meet. Ready to admit sin. You've seen, you've seen. Alright? So learn those attitudes. Your relationship with everyone. Okay? So let's close in prayer.